We'll be in Psalm 121 this morning. So turn there if you have not yet. Sometime in the months after our daughter Gwendolyn died, I became aware of my bad posture. And it looks something like this. Head slumped, shoulders slumped, and a back hunched and maybe even my hands in my pockets. And what first drew my attention to this was the sight of my filthy feet. You see, for about 10 months of every year, even now really, I wear Chaco sandals. And when you live out at a place like Camp Eagle, walking through the dust and the dirt, as your feet become quickly filthy. And it was one morning in those days that I was walking to my office from my home out there at camp and my eyes were open to this posture that was really a result of the anguish of my soul. And maybe in your own difficulty, in the own trials of your life, you've noticed this same posture. So I think it's quite common for those in difficulty And when I became aware of this dropped head, slumped shoulders, hunched back, the Lord graciously brought Psalm 121 to my attention. And so this Sunday and next Sunday, we are going to look at the Psalms and how to endure difficulty. You know, James 1 says that when you encounter various trials, right, When you encounter various trials and difficulty and trials take the shape and form of many different things. Disease and sickness, death and sorrow, divorce and separation, desertion, sadness, financial worry, job stress, parenting difficulty, relational trials. Things that are both outside of our control and also as a result or as a consequence of our own bad decisions. And all of us have been or will be or maybe presently are in the midst of difficulty. And in the midst of these trials, two questions always rise. The first, well, what do I do now? And the second, How long is this going to last? And so these two questions are going to guide both this Sunday and next. And embedded in Psalm 121 is the answer to this first question. What do I do now? And so if you're unfamiliar with Psalm 121, this is a song of ascents. It's the second of 15 psalms that have been gathered by we don't know who, but have been gathered uh, for the Jewish believers in the days when they would make uh, three different journeys throughout the year to Jerusalem at different feasts or different festivals. Look at at a beginning in Psalm 120. You'll see in the title, A Song of Ascents. And it goes all the way then to Psalm 134. And so like I said, they would quote these or they would recite these, the Jewish people of of, uh, the Old Testament of those days, as they would make their way to Jerusalem, first at the Feast of Passover or Unleavened Bread, and also at the Feast of Weeks and then the Feast of Booths. Exodus 23 outlines these uh, 
these three feasts. But again, it's unknown who organized them as such. But there's uh, David wrote some, Solomon wrote some, and but most are unknown who wrote these. But that's what they would read. And so as these Jewish pilgrims would leave their homes all throughout Israel, Psalm 121 would be on their lips as they approached the hills that surrounded Jerusalem. As these hills came into view, this psalm would be on their lips. And if you're familiar with the geography of Israel, really all roads lead up. All roads lead to Jerusalem. It's the highest point, particularly Mount Moriah. The Temple Mount is the highest point in in, uh, Jerusalem. And so all paths would lead up to this. And so as these pilgrims would be journeying on foot through the hills, through the difficulty to the place that God himself dwelt, they would have this on their lips. And so I think this is helpful for us as we approach God in our own difficulty. We should have Psalm 121 on our lips. And so let's look a little bit closer as we walk our way through it. Let's look here at these eight verses as we answer this question. Well, what do I do now in the midst of my difficulty? Verse one begins really with this, with this command, with this, with the, with this, uh, really proclamation of what he's doing, but we don't know who the author is, nor the situation causing him anxiety. It could be really any number of things. It could have fallen into the categories that I outlined just a minute ago or been something entirely different. It really could have maybe resulted even in the journey and the inherent dangers of making this journey on foot through the wilderness with bad guys and uneven terrain and desert-like conditions as they made their way to Jerusalem. But so too with us. Any number of things could be causing us difficulty. What is it for you this morning? What is it that has been belaboring you? What is it that is weighing you down today? Maybe nothing is acute. Maybe some things are are very obvious in your life. But whatever it is, as you take your notes, I want you to write that down, whatever is belaboring you. But notice here with me in this verse one, notice here what he does in the midst of this unknown anxiety, in the midst of this difficulty. Notice with me what he does. It's been the theme of many of our songs this morning. It's the theme here from this first verse. What does he do? He lifts his eyes. He lifts his eyes from that from that weary posture of head down, head slumped to his head held high. And as the sight of the majestic mountains or the holy hills of the holy land burst upon the scene, then he begins to see. He then begins to see as he lifts his eyes from the from his uh, uh, narrow view of his filthy feet. He lifts his eyes and then he begins to see to see what? To see the really the big idea of this whole psalm. And it is this, the big idea, the proposition, the truth that we should get from these eight verses is that God is our helper and keeper in times of difficulty. Let me say that again. God is our helper and keeper in times of difficulty. Now, if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for any length of time, then this isn't news to you, right? 
That should be obvious. That's Christianity 101. That's beginner's theology. God is our helper and keeper in times of difficulty. But in difficulty, it can make us dumb, can't it? It can make us doubtful and it can make us distracted. We forget that God is our helper and our keeper and we strive on our own. Or we doubt God's goodness in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the sorrow. And we get so swamped that we keep our attention on the hurt and not what on God is doing in the midst of it all. Difficulty has a way of doing this. We don't do as the first part of James 1 says, is that we consider it all joy When we encounter various trials. And so this is what was so profound to me. This big idea that God is our helper and keeper in times of difficulty. This is what was so profound for me in that moment that I described earlier. That as I lifted my eyes, I was just walking and I simply lifted my eyes and saw those hills. And if you know where Camp Eagle is, you know Eagle Bluff and all the surrounding hills of the Nueces Canyon. And then I knew, I knew where my help was found. I knew who was watching over me. I lifted, and that simple lift enabled me to look. That simple lift enabled me to look and I was able to see more than just my filthy feet in that rocky ground. And what did I see? Well, what does it see? What do you see when you look to the hills? What is, what is before us there? You see the creator, don't you? You see, as Christians, we see beyond just the creation. We see beyond just the beauty and the majesty of, of what God has created here. But we see our creator who made heavens and earth, right? I lift my eyes. Where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, from Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. Because we see in that moment, we see the one who made it all cares for the small. We see the one who who made the sun and the moon and the mountains, who created the galaxies, who holds all these things in the palm of his hand, who who created all this and who, who is over all of it and sustaining all of it. That it is in that, the vastness of that, our eyes are open to see that he cares even for me. Psalmist recognizes this in Job 35. Elihu, one of Job's good friends, tells Job even to look to the mountains in his grief. He points him there to the creator. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, he says to look to the birds and see how God provides for them. If he provides for them, won't he too provide for you? Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, he says to look to the things that are unseen. Not to the things that are seen, not to the things that you can touch and taste and feel right before you. But he says to look to the things that are unseen so that you will not lose heart. The writer of Hebrews, who's unknown in chapter 12, verse 2, he says to look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, who endured the cross, despised the shame. Who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame. Or to consider him or to consider our law over what Jesus endured. And so in the midst of, of, of our grief, we lift and we look. In the midst of difficulty, we lift and we look. In the midst of battle, we lift and we look. There's this great scene at the end of the final Hobbit movie. Have any of you seen the three Hobbit movies? 
maybe read the book. And you know, at the end of the third one, there's this scene where the dwarves and the humans are fighting against the bad guys out on the plains. And that small contingent of dwarves, are they're hiding in the caves, right? And they don't want to go out and battle. Some do, but King Thorin, he's keeping them in. But at, at one point, as the battle is waging outside these walls, outside the protection in there, then King Thorin, he decides to burst through the wall with the dwarves and lead the way. And as they burst through, as the king, the rightful dwarf king, bursts on into the battlefield, then the rest of the army that is beleaguered, that has been fighting, that is weary from this long, ongoing battle, the rest of the army, they lift their eyes, they see the king charging out and they begin shouting to the king to the king and they gather together and guess what they win right they lifted their eyes in the midst of the battle they looked to the king and they were able to defeat the enemy that was before them and so beloved amazing things happen when we just lift our eyes and when we look to our creator king in the midst of this difficulty. And so let's look. Look at look at verse three. What does he see? Look at me here with at our protection and our security. He lifts his eyes. He looks and he sees the one who does not allow your foot to slip. There's a military scene here. There's there's a, an idea of marching and a journey. If you think of uneven terrain, of rocky ground, of dusty ground, every step as you go up this mountain path is treacherous. You know, you didn't have great boots to walk on and stuff, so you could slip in battle. But here what he sees is that for those who follow the Lord, for those whose help comes from the Lord, your every footstep is solid. There's no rock slides, there's no stumbling, and there is no tripping. It's treacherous paths that would make the the journey worse, the uneven terrain that makes hand-to-hand combat uh, uh, even uh, even worse. Is not so when the Lord is your helper and the Lord is your keeper. But not only in the journey, but even when you stop. It is God who is our protection and our security. It is God who is the ever-vigilant sentinel. Look here at the second half of verse 3. He says, he who keeps you will not slumber. You think, well, all right, God doesn't sleep. That's all right. But this is profound here. Don't miss the point here because this is God never sleeps because one, he never gets weary. He doesn't fatigue. He never exhausts. You know, sometimes we think like our little children never sleep. You know, they just keep going and going and going and going. And But eventually they do at night. But God is the one who never sleeps. He is the sentinel that is patrolling the wall. He is the one who is keeping you and never lets an intruder get by him. He is the one that will never be ambushed. He will never be caught off guard. And so too in your life, he is never ambushed by things like death and disease and sickness. He is never caught off guard by these things because he watches over you. He keeps you. And this is something that is repeated here. This is why our big idea is that he is both the helper and the keeper here. And the NASB doesn't actually do a very good job at showing the repetition of the word. If you have the NIV uh, version this morning, you probably notice that it says watches over, watches over, watches over multiple times uh, from verse 3 down to to verse 8. And that's good because it's the same word. It's the same sense that God is our guardian. He is our keeper. He He is the vigilant sentinel that is watching over us. 
this protector that stands above us so that we may be at peace, so that we may be at rest. Malachi's actually started saying this. I don't know where it's come from, but uh, he'll want to go play on the playground and he'll say, Daddy, will you come watch over me? Mommy, will you come watch over me as I do this or that? And I, I don't, maybe I've said it to him, I don't know. And normally kids want to be outside of our gaze, right? So they can get into mischief. But he started saying, watch over me, Daddy. And isn't that the sense? There's security and there is protection from our ever-vigilant Father. As soon as we lift and look, we see our security and our sentinel watching over us. Knowing it'll be okay. We aren't in this alone. Here's, here's something. You can go to bed at night and you can sleep soundly because you know the one who keeps you isn't going to fall asleep on the job. You don't have to worry about if this is going to happen to your kids or your spouse or things. You can sleep soundly at night. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry that the worst could happen if you fall asleep because here you know that God doesn't sleep and is always watching over you. He who keeps you will not slumber. But there's more. So look at verse 4. Not only do we lift, not only do we look, but we also behold. Lift, look, behold. Behold is one of those Bible words that I think as we read through the Bible, we just breeze right by. We, it, it, it's so common and we lose its meaning. We lose the impact that this word is meant to have upon us because it's meant to, as we read this, it's meant to say, stop and see. As we come across this simple word of behold, it's meant to say, hey, linger here for a minute. Take it in. Gaze deeply upon the profound truths that are about to be read. Slow down and observe. Watch with awe. Reflect on what is being said and what this means for you and for me. And it's really everywhere. If you have your Bible open and there's multiple chapters before you, you you will see behold said several times in the Psalms. Type it into a a, a Bible search engine. Go to the concordance and you will find uh, dozens upon dozens of the use of the word behold. It's everywhere and it's really in my own reading lately. It's been jumping out at me everywhere I look. Or to behold. You might be thinking to yourself, if you're like, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I can't stop and reflect right now. Can I really behold? Can I really be reflective? Can I really gaze intently? I don't have time just to sit and linger. That sounds great. But can I really process all that is happening upon me? And I would just gently say yes. You can, it's slow, but it's sure, and here's the reality, is that God will help you in it. God will help you to behold, and all that you may be going through, it will become clear over time, as God enables you to see just what is going on. 
And so let's see what he beholds. Let's see here. Let's let's linger for a moment on what he wants us to behold in the midst of difficulty. We've lifted our eyes. We've looked. Now let's behold at the present things here. Look at verse four. He says, behold the existence of Israel. He says, behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Same truth. He keeps you and I. He keeps his individual children, but he also keeps his national people, his ethnic people, the Jewish people, and watches over them, never sleeping, never fatiguing and never tiring. And so just the very existence of the Jewish state of Israel now is proof of God's care and of God's love and of God's help and protection in the time of difficulty. Since day one of Israel's existence, they have had aggression and opposition. Since Genesis chapter 12, 12 chapters into the Bible, when God calls Abraham, in the same chapter, the promise that God makes to Abraham is threatened. As Pharaoh takes the the matriarch, Sarai, who this promise will be made with, he takes her and, and there, even in that, the promise of God watching over this children, of making this a great nation, is threatened immediately. And then as you just continue to read through the Old Testament, you know that uh, that country after country, nation after nation is aggressive and trying to wipe and annihilate uh, the Jewish people off the face of the earth, Right? From the Egyptians to the Philistines to all the peoples of the Middle East in the Bible times to then in Jesus' day with Roman opposition and Greek opposition to all the, 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 the opposition through the medieval days as the Jewish people were scattered to then we obviously know of the German opposition and the Nazi uh, attempts to annihilate the Jewish people from the faith. And what is the case today? Is Israel safe? Are they at peace in there in Jerusalem? No, because the entire Middle East wants to wipe them away. But who remains? What country is still there? Who has not been wiped off the face of the earth as these other countries, as these other people groups have come and gone and are just a part of the history books? Who remains? Israel. And that alone, beloved, that alone, just the very existence of Israel, as we behold the reality that they are still here and that God has a future promise in store for them in the end times and in, in things that are yet to come. You and I can take great hope that the one who helps and keeps and doesn't sleep as he watches over the nation of Israel, that he too is going to watch over, help and keep you. Behold that in the midst of difficulty as you see a whole people group with a history of violence. He's gotten Israel out of impossible situations time and time again. Read the book of Esther and you will see it. You will see God's providential working on behalf of the Jewish people. You will see his divine preservation of this people. And if you think you are an impossible situation, they were too. And they came out with God's help. So too will you. Maybe different. Maybe outside the realm of possibility that even comes on your radar as you try to problem solve. And you try to think your way out of this. Try to beat this sickness. You try to get out of this crisis. God loves to come through on behalf of his people. Behold that. Behold, cling to it, linger there and know that Israel exists. God is protecting them. So too he will help me. 
Behold that. Behold second in verse 5. Behold the shade and the shadows. Behold the shade and the shadows. He repeats here, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your guardian, you might say. The Lord is your watchkeeper. And then he says, the Lord is the shade on your right hand. This, the shade on your right hand is, is an illustration, it's a euphemism for the place of defense. By this person on your right side that is causing this shadow, that is battling with you in the midst of, of this war. Somebody is next to you, he is right here at your right hand fighting with you. And so as you even glimpse the shadow, as you find the shady spot... As you see it passing by, walking down the sidewalk, as you look out your kitchen window and you see the shade of the trees, allow that to take your mind to behold that God is my helper and my keeper in the midst of this. God is keeping me. He is caring for me in the heat of life. The place of shade is the place of cool and comfort in the heat of the day. You don't stand out in the middle of the sun and bake and cook. Your life will perish. But we find a shady spot for respite. The very fact that shade and shadows exist should cause us to remember that God is good. God loves me and I will get through this. Not only behold the existence of Israel, the shade and the shadows, but verse 6, behold the sun and the moon. And this is really in a different sense than the creation of them. As I spoke of earlier, as we look, as we look to the hills and as we see the creation and that points us to the creator. This is not what he's speaking of here. And this is a different sense. As you look to the sun and the moon, we look at our protection from them. Because what does the shade protect us from? It protects us from the sun's beating rays, right? That zap the life and zap the energy out of us. And so the sense here is that we have 24-7 around-the-clock protection from the heat of the day and the cool of the night. See, this is the, this is the treachery of the desert. If you're journeying through the desert, not only do you have the heat of the day and the sun as you're journeying through, but the temperature drops rapidly and, 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 and tremendously in the middle of the night. There can be 40, 50, maybe even 60 degree temperature drops just from the heat of the day to the cool of the night. And that amount of exposure can eliminate you. But the reminder here is, is we're to behold these things even in the journey, even as the nights are long and as the days are hot and the days are hard is that you and I have protection. We are watched over around the clock. We are watched over and kept from exposure to the elements. This is really another way of reminding us that God doesn't sleep. He doesn't clock out at sundown and say, see you in the morning. But he watches over us through all the elements. And these are present things to behold. We behold these things as we're enduring difficulty, as we're walking through life. But in the last two verses here now, he calls us to behold future things, to behold glory. Not only do we have this present protection, but also future. And at first glance, you may be saying, wait a minute. So read verse 7, the Lord will protect you from all evil. That's not the case. If only you knew the evil that has happened to me. 
If only you knew what I have been uh, uh, subjected to. But true evil plagues us left and right in our own bodies. It plagues the earth. Everyone around us is full of evil. But what he's getting at here, what he wants us to behold, is that this will not always be the case. And this is really what Chris preached on last week. As we anticipate sinless perfection, as we anticipate glory, as we anticipate what is yet to come, he says, the Lord will protect you from evil. He will keep your soul. And so as we behold glory, when we will be free from evil, we know that God will help and he will keep our soul. Our bodies will waste away, but we will receive new bodies. And we must behold this now in the midst of difficulty. We must look to ahead. We must look to the things that are unseen. We must behold that and think long and deeply when we are surrounded by evil and when our body is wasting away, knowing that the Lord will watch over your soul. He will watch over it. He will nourish it with the word. He will nourish it as you behold these great things. Great preacher Charles Spurgeon, he asked this question. He says, what can harm a soul? That is kept of the Lord. What can harm your soul when you are kept of the Lord? So we look to glory. We look to this protection from all evil, longing for the day when we will be freed from its very presence. We've been freed from its power over us. Evil is not our master. Sin is not reigning over us. Still here, still present but one day it will not be. Amen? Amen. And even so, he says, the Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. And the sense here is that God is, all your movements, all your decisions now, God is watching over and keeping and he will do so forever. Those big decisions that are on the horizon, what you need, those those decisions that, that weigh us down, that nobody wants to make at any point in their life. Those decisions, of, uh, those uncertainties that come that, that affect our future. Those uncertainties of jobs, of moving, of, of kids, you know, Got to go on, but it's going to be okay. You know, who wants to make decisions of, of pulling the plug on life support, of, of changing medicine, of moving to be near kids, of, or of taking the next step in reconciliation when you've been a bonehead and offended somebody? Nobody likes doing these things, but the Lord is watching over you. He's caring for you in the midst of these things, in the midst of these difficulties. What you're going out, you're coming in. Every movement, every decision. If you are in the Lord, in His, in times of difficulty, He is watching over you. And I know that many of you are facing tough decisions. I know that many of you have things like these on your plate before you. But you can take comfort that God knows the beginning from the end, right? And as you follow him in love and obedience, you will be in his will as you make these decisions, as you walk out in faith, as you face these uncertainties. But beloved, even in the midst of these difficulties, as we behold the goodness of God, 
as we behold the nearness of God, as we behold the vigilance of God, as he watches over our life, then these decisions become much less burdensome. As God watches, walks with us and watches over us, we must behold, we must dis- deeply consider Christ. We must weigh these things in the balance and weigh what we are going through against what Christ has gone through, against the, the goodness and the power and the might of God, the glory that he will receive, and then the significance of the weight of our burdens becomes significantly less as they are weighed against glory. And this is what Paul is getting at in 2 Corinthians 4. This is what he's getting at in, in the book of Hebrews and the writer there and our psalmist here. And so what do we do in the midst of difficulty? How do we answer this question? It's, it's quite simple, but quite profound. You lift. You look. And you behold. And if you find yourself in a situation like this, then you drive just a little bit outside of town and you get to where you can see the rolling hills of the Texas Hill Country and you allow that to be God's created reminder for you that He is your helper and your keeper in the midst of difficulty. That's one of the beauties of living in the Texas Hill Country, right? People who live in the plains of the Midwest don't know this great reality, right? They got to drive to here to see this great reality. But don't miss it. Don't let the hills become too familiar to you. Don't miss out on what this psalm is trying to say, especially in difficult times. And so I want to just address one final thing as we close here. Because the reality is, is we can't really do any of this, can we? When the burdens are tough... You know, as simple as this sounds, you know, we can't do it. Just a simple rotation of the neck to lift, we can't do it. But turn to Psalm 3 with me. Just a few pages back. Psalm 3 is a psalm of David. David, when is in his own difficulty, when his own son was trying to kill him. Maybe that's a familiar situation to some. I hope not. Psalm 3. Hear David's cry. Oh, Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Do you have adversaries? Do you have enemies? Can you relate to that? Look at verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. See, beloved, who is the one who lifts our head? 
Who is the one who helps us and keeps us to do the very things that Psalm 121 tells us to do, to lift, to look, behold. It is God himself who takes our head and rotates it up to see him. It is God himself who opens our eyes to behold wonderful things from the law. It is God himself who opens our eyes to see our sin and to see the glory of Christ and to see the forgiveness and grace that is offered at the cross. It is God himself who allows us to behold and to linger upon the great truths. It is God who keeps us. It is God who helps us. We simply follow along. It is God who initiates. It is God who sustains the lifting. And he will, if you are his child, he will allow you to sleep. He will allow you to make decisions. He will allow you to press on with joy when you are his child child when he is your father but if you are not then these things are not for you you can't lift and look and behold until you repent until you turn to christ until he takes the burden until he opens your eyes to see your sin until you repent and believe Unless God first lifts your eyes to see your sin, to see the Christ, and then to behold the wonder of his grace and his mercy. Turn to Christ if you have not today. For you who do believe, for you who are his beloved, let this be the reminder in the midst of your difficulty. What do I do now? I lift. I look. I behold. Let's pray. God, you are our helper and our keeper in all things in life. So will you help my friends today? Will you help those who are weighed down who are aware of their posture of anguish and difficulty or figuratively wearing this backpack with a great weight on it. Would you help them to bear up under that with great patience and endurance that they might lift their eyes to the mountains and see where their help comes comes from you who made heaven and earth and who keeps us through all trials. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.